Welcome to another episode of Midweek Meditation on the FPO Podcast, a weekly devotional podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Obelika. Each week, we take a look at one of the passages from the FPO Bible Reading Plan and have a devotional conversation about what God is teaching us in it and how to apply it in our lives. For more information on how to join us as we engage the Bible together, please visit firstpresopelika.org. Good morning, First Perez family. Hope each of you are doing well. It's the Tuesday after Easter. Uh, we hope that again today you are experiencing uh, the joy of the Lord and the hope of the reality uh, that Jesus has been raised from the dead and the power uh, that is ours in the Spirit as a result. Today, James and I are here for our next episode of the Midweek Meditation. And what we want to do is rather than looking back at one of the passages we read this past week, we want to look forward to a passage uh, that we want to invite all of you to read later this week, I believe maybe Thursday. Yep. Thursday. Um, we've been reading through the Psalms. Um, if you've been joining us in that portion, and even if you haven't, if you hear this, I invite you to, to dive in with us uh, to Psalm 51, which is on the horizon for us in just a couple of days. Uh, Psalm 51 uh, is a very famous psalm, a psalm that many people know. It's a psalm that's written by King David, and we're told in the notes of it that it's written by King David on the heels of being confronted by Nathan the prophet. Um, The story goes that uh, David uh, has an affair with Bathsheba. He uh, takes her into his house and and sleeps with her. And then as a result, to cover up his sin, he uh, effectively has her husband Uriah murdered. And some time passes where he seemingly doesn't deal with this for whatever reason. Uh, You'd like to hope he's just unaware, but he's probably not. He's Mm. just running probably. He's hiding. He's covering it up. And God sends Nathan the prophet sometime later uh, to confront him about the sin, and he tells him that parable. Um, and David becomes aware of his sin. And Psalm 51 is David's response, in a sense, a prayer of repentance and just wrestling through with God, um, becoming aware in a tangible sense of his sin that's leading him to repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we want to look at it and dive in a little bit. Um, on many, in many ways, Psalm 51 is an experience that every single one of us who know Jesus have had. Mm. It's an experience that we'll continue to have. And it's also, in some ways, a, a blueprint for us mm-hmm. of how to handle uh, becoming aware of sin in our life. And it'd be easy as we dive in. I'll, I'll be quiet here in a minute, James, and let you speak. <laughs> It'd be easy to think that, oh, well, it's only when we do really big, bad things yeah. that we need to repent well like this. And uh, yes, when we do big, bad things like uh, commit adultery and have people murdered, we should repent well. Yes. But sure. we should repent well of all sin. And, um, you know, I think it was maybe Luther 
who uh, said that when the Lord Jesus said repent, he meant that all of life should be repentance. Mm. Repentance and faith are the dynamic reality of the Christian life. Yeah. And so we need to be constantly repenting. And David here shows us, in a sense, how to do it in the big things and in the little things. So um, as we dive in, James, what were some of your observations of just the the flow of the psalm? It's logical in some sense yeah. um, of how David kind of begins working through his his new awareness of, mm-hmm. of his sin and what that's done to him. And what that's done to others. What, what what are some of your thoughts as you just trace this thing through? Yeah, this psalm is so raw. Mm. And David is really giving us a glimpse into his emotions as he is praying these things. And as it's written down, he would have known that he was helping the people and he's helping us learn how to take our rawness after sinning and feeling that guilt and shame that we feel of what do we do with that? What do we do when we're feeling ugly and gross and sinful and unworthy? And when we're looking towards God, the cry of our heart is exactly what he opens with, Mm. is have mercy on me Mm. according to your steadfast love and wash me thoroughly and cleanse me from my sin. When we're feeling shameful and it feels like this sin is stuck to us, right? The first thing we can do, as David does, is say, just wash me, wash mm-hmm. me clean. And then he works through his sin. I know my transgressions are ever before me against you, and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight, which is notable because he sinned against a lot of people. That's right. But he's saying, but ultimately, God, I'm sin- I've sinned before you and against you. And he just works through God's holiness and his sinfulness and he uses that as a way to really grapple with all of the sin in his life. So he's laying it out on the table. Hmm. He's not hiding it from the Lord anymore, which is important because he has been hiding it. He's just laying out his sinfulness before the Lord and letting him deal with it, trusting that God is going to wash him, asking that God would cleanse him. Right. And then at the end, of this really first confession section is this wonderful verse where it just says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Right. I don't want to feel the shame, the guilt. I want the joy of relationship with God. Yeah, so he he's aware of his sin and he's honest about his sin. And we know what it's like to experience um, what verse is it? Verse Three, where he says, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Mm-hmm. Um, David shows us that the path forward from there is not to wallow in self-pity and not even to be undone by guilt and by shame, mm-hmm. but to let our sin drive us to the Lord, the one who deals graciously with us, ultimately we know in Jesus Christ. Um, and... David, like, this is a prayer of faith of sorts. It'd be mm-hmm. easy for him to be like, man, I'm the king of Israel. Surely uh, th- there's there's no return for me. I've, I, I have messed this thing up too bad. Mm-hmm. But no, David has the faith to pray. No, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He, he knows the Lord to be one who is not just holy, but mm-hmm. is gracious. This is Yahweh. This is the Lord of the covenant who is faithful 
to fulfill all his promises for his people. And then we get this interesting transition there where he's mostly been dealing on a vertical level with uh, with the Lord, mm-hmm. dealing with his own sin, crying out for the Lord to be gracious and to heal him and restore him and put his bones back in place and restore all of that. And then he begins to kind of turn outward mm-hmm. uh, from there in verse 13. He you know, says, basically, if you will do this, then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will return to you. I'll help them do what you're doing to me right now. That's right. And it's not an A like, um, demeaning, like, hey, I'll, I'll fix everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's a, Lord, if you will work salvation in me, then I'll testify to the people of how good and great you are. Mm-hmm. And that's one piece of what repentance does, is repentance leads us to a deeper experience of the gospel. But it also then gives us a fresh testimony mm-hmm. to declare to the world of how gracious God has been in the face of our sin. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it just, it makes me think, even as we're talking about it, of all of the places in the New Testament where Jesus does some work of salvation in the life of somebody, whether it's, you know, the demon-possessed man or uh, the woman at the well, or we could go on. Mm-hmm. And the little kind of summary is, and they went back declaring all that God had done for them. Yeah. They went back testifying about the story of salvation that they'd experienced at the hands of Jesus. And that's, I think we see that precursor here that when we experience God's salvation, it it results in us um, declaring that salvation to others and declaring how good and great God is. And so in a sense, David uses that as the bargaining chip. And he's not bargaining with the Lord, but that's the... He's claiming, God, I know you love your name to be proclaimed. Mm -hmm. And if you'll deal graciously with me, according to your character, I'll proclaim your name. Like He he understands how to pray and how to reason and how to claim God's promises. He knows the Lord, which is Mm -hmm. why he has the faith to pray this. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. not trying to manipulate the Lord. He just, he understands. We see Moses doing the same thing as he uh, intercedes and prays. And so just, I, I love how that, Happens. I know you were mentioning a little while ago how mm-hmm. uh, verse sixteen and seventeen have, have been a place where you've had to kind of slow down and really read and think. Help, yeah. help us understand some of your uh, thought process where he talks about uh, you know you won't delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You won't be pleased with a burnt offering. Mm-hmm. Um, share some of your thoughts that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I I mean I prayed this psalm lots of times for my own confession of sin and. Um, and so, and it, so, just as a side note, it's helpful to know that the Psalms are given to us to pray. And so, if we're feeling the shame and guilt of our sin, and we don't even know how to do that, we can just come and read Psalm fifty-one and and read the words for ourselves. And that mm-hmm. is real prayer, right? Uh, that's the reason we have a corporate prayer of confession in our worship services. But whenever I would come to verse sixteen and seventeen, where David says. You won't delight and sacrifice, or I would give it. I'm, I kind of think, wait a second. Like I thought that was the deal. Like I thought you're supposed to go and offer burnt sacrifices for sin. God even told us to do that in the Old Testament times. And so, what is David saying that mm-hmm. I would go do this thing you told me to do, but now you don't want me to do it? 
And he gives this key in verse 17, and it's taken me a long time. Maybe that shows you about my own legalistic side mm-hmm. of, of saying, no, actually the sacrifices that you desire, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, saying that I could go do these sacrifices. I could go through the motions and I could say, yes, I've done these things wrong. Here, take this bull. But if your heart is not in it mm. and you are not engaging the Lord in repentance, the Lord does not want that. Mm. He does not want our empty going through the motions. And so as new covenant Christians, he, he doesn't want us just showing up to church as some kind of penance. He doesn't want us just going through the motions. He wants our hearts. Mm. He wants us to engage him. He wants us to experience his love. He wants us to be broken so that we would see that our redemption is in Christ and not through going through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. What a contrast. Um, You see this in Jesus's ministries, particularly to the religious leaders of how he just is constantly rebuking Mm. their hollow externally focused religion that lacked a heart for God. Mm-hmm. And there's so many parallels here to when Jesus basically says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside. You're going through the motions. You're offering all the sacrifices. Mm-hmm. You're you're following the religious playbook to a T. This people honors me with their lips, and yet their hearts are far from me. Yeah, That's the New Testament corollary from the mouth of Jesus to what David is saying here. Yeah, I'm after your hearts. And if you would allow your hearts to be touched and invaded by the Spirit to show you your sin and allow yourself to be broken before me, you'll actually get what you're looking for, which is salvation. And it'll be real salvation Mm -hmm. because it'll come from God and it won't be man-made and manufactured. Um, And so just a good reminder that God is after breaking us in a sense, Mm -hmm. to your point, because only then will we look outward of ourselves uh, to him who actually can restore to us the joy of his salvation and yeah. uphold us with a willing spirit and take not his Holy Spirit from us. Um, so as we close this morning, we uh, we hope that you will join us in reading Psalm 51 this week and reading it slowly and prayerfully. Um, and even as James has said, just an encouragement to add this to um, your rhythms of dealing with your own sin um, maybe you're unaware of sin in your life right now. I can promise you that if you pray for God to show you your sin, uh, he is good and faithful to do that. And then you'll have ample opportunity. Yeah, he loves to answer that one. <laughs> and it hurts. He, you'll, you'll have ample opportunity to join your voice with David's and uh, with God's people down through the ages of using Psalm 51 to repent well. We love you guys, and we look forward to being together next week.